Hello guys, um, welcome back to another In The Grid episode. Now, full disclosure, I have two filmed podcasts that I haven't put out yet because I feel like they're too, um, I want to cut them back a little bit, cut some things out. Usually I don't do that. I just put the whole thing on, upload it, just put it all out there. Um, but these ones I want to cut some stuff out. Not that I said anything bad. It's just I got a little too off track. Anyways, I wanted to make another one tonight because I just felt like it. Um, first, let me guys, let me, I don't know why I say let me guys. I say that a lot actually. I messed that up. The lighting in this episode, if you're watching it on YouTube, is not the best. So just ignore it, alright? Low quality production here, folks. I think we know the drill. Anyways, some updates on life. So, I recently started a job, and it's a basic retail job at a store in the mall. And when we, um, I got trained on register today, so I was checking people out for the first time. Felt so, um, powerful because we have these things, like those last minute sales that you try to get people to buy. And, or, so we have, like, our tote bags, and, um, we have these, like, items that are 50% off with every purchase, so you try to sell those to people, and you also ask if they have a, uh, email with our rewards program, and if they don't, then you try to get them to make one, um, and so if you get all three, like, a sale from, like, either a tote bag or the water bottle, like, for the foundation stuff, that, that, those, that money that we get from the tote bags or the water bottles or the mints or hand sanitizer goes to, like, this foundation to help kids in Uganda. So, like, that's foundation stuff, and then there's the add-ons that are 50%, and then there's the rewards. And if you get all three of those, if you sell all three of those, then it's called, like, an all three or something like that. Um, and then if you get one of those where they get some, like, all three things, then you keep, you get to keep the receipt, and at the end of the month, whoever has the most all threes gets free Starbucks. And so, I got my first all three on my first night as running register. And I was so proud of myself, I sold all three things, I sold a makeup bag, and I got him to get a tote bag, and he signed up for a rewards program. It was great. Um, another update on life. Today, after school, I was going to my locker, and there was a big depiction of the male genitalia. I don't know. On my locker. And there was a bunch of other ones on the locker surrounding mine. And, um, Digby took a picture with it because he really liked it. He thought he was supporting local artists, and he doesn't really realize that it's defacement of property. But, you know, he liked the picture. <laughs> so, yeah, I have a dick on my locker now, so don't know how I feel about that because I hate cock. <laughs> um, what's another update on life? 
don't really know. I think that's all my updates. Gotten all three. And there's a dick on my locker. Alright, with that being said, let's do something from the grid. Full disclosure, if it's going to be a long one, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to repick. Alright, I'm going to cheat. No rules here. There's no cheating. There's no such thing as cheating with the grid. Alright, let's pull from the grid. Let's see. What did I get? <laughs> what is it? It's D4. D4. It's read a book. <laughs> Guys, it's read a book. It's read a book. Alright, well, <laughs> let me go get our book that we're going to read as a group together throughout the series on the podcast. So, Alright, guys, so we drew read a book, and I'm literally going to read a book. Not the whole thing, obviously. We're just going to read, like, a chapter of this book called Hitman Anders and the Meaning of It All by Jonas Jonasson. For those of you who may have missed the episode, well, what's funny about this book is if you didn't already know, I have a brother named Anders. And I have a brother named Jonas. So, Hitman Anders and the Meaning of It All by Jonas Jonasson. I had to get it. It would have been a crime not to get it. So, <laughs> without further ado, let's let's read the book. I should probably reread the back. I know I've already read this on a podcast episode, but again, for those of you who may not have watched it... It's good to start with the synopsis. All right, so here we go. Killer for hire Anders is fresh out of prison and trying to keep his head down when he meets two unlikely new business partners at a one-star hotel. One, an atheist former Protestant vicar fired from her church, and the other, the hotel's receptionist, the ruined grandson of an ex-millionaire. Together, they cook up an idea for an enterprising venture involving Swedish gangsters that is set to make them all a fortune. Until, all of a sudden, and to everyone's surprise, Anders finds Jesus. The perfect plan. If it weren't for Hitman Anders' curiosity about the meaning of it all. In conversations with the vicar, he turns to Jesus. And against all odds, Jesus answers him. Anders' sudden interest in religion might be good for his soul, but it's not good for business, and the vicar and the receptionist have to find a new plan. Quick. (laughs) So, without further ado, let's read Hitman Anders. Um, Chapter 1 is only a couple pages, so we might read a little more. Who knows? Chapter 1, here we go. I'm exciting. Oh, there's parts... Alright, so, part one, an unusual business strategy. Here we go. I will be holding the mic, too, so you guys can hear me. <laughs> um, here we go, chapter one. Daydreaming in the reception area of one of Sweden's most wretched hotels stood a man whose life would soon come to be filled with death and bodily harm, thieves and bandits. 
The only grandchild of horse dealer Henrik Bergman was, as always, channeling his paternal grandfather's shortcomings. The old man had been foremost in his field in southern Sweden. He never sold fewer than 7,000 animals per year, and each was first class. But from 1955, the traitorous farmers began to exchange grandfather's cold and warm bloods for tractors at a rate that grandfather refused to comprehend. 7,000 transactions became 700, which became 70, which became 7. With fi within five years, the family's multi-million krona fortune had gone up in a cloud of diesel smoke. In 1960, the as-yet-unborn grandson's dad tried to save what he could by traveling around to all the farmers in the region and preaching on the curse of, me of mechaniz me mechanization. Mm, machines, basically. After all, there were so many rumors flying about, such as how diesel fuel would cause cancer if it got on your skin, and, of course, get on your skin it did. And then Dad added that studies showed diesel could cause st <laughs> And then added that studies showed diesel could cause sterility in men. But he really shouldn't have mentioned that. For one thing, it wasn't true. And for another, it sounded perfectly lovely to breadwinning but continuously horny farmers with three to eight children each. Wait, hold on. Let me, I think I read that wrong. For one thing, it wasn't true. And for another, it sounded perfectly lovely to breadwinning but continuously horny fathers with three to eight children each. And that makes more sense. They're horny and they don't want more kids, so might as well get diesel fuel and you'll become sterile. <laughs> Anyways, continuing on, it was embarrassing to try and get your hands on condoms, not so for a Massey Ferguson or John Deere. Macy Ferguson? Guys, I don't know how PG rated this book is, but so far I don't think it's PG, so. <laughs> I think we're all old enough to deal with this so so if you're a child ask your parents all right continuing <laughs> what is happening okay maybe if anyone's confused so there's this son or this kid in the lobby of this hotel and he's talking about how his grandfather started this business for tractors but then no He sold animals per year. So his grandfather was selling animals and he was making a fortune. Then all these like tractors came into town and they didn't need the animals to pull the carts and the machinery around. So their business died. And this guy's dad was trying to get people to not like believe that diesel fuel was bad and it'll make men sterile trying to help the business um continuing on his grandfather had died not only destitute but kicked to death by his last horse oh my gosh 
got kicked to death by a horse. His grieving, horseless son took up the reins, completed some sort of course, and was soon employed by Facet AB, one of the world's leading companies in the production of typewriters and mechanical calculators. Thus, he succeeded in being trampled by the future not once but twice in his lifetime, because suddenly the electronic calculator popped up on the market. As if to poke fun at Facet's brick of a product, the Japanese version fit in the inner pocket of a jacket. Facet's group machines didn't shrink, at least not fast enough, but the form itself did, until it shriveled up into something absolutely nothing. The son of the house dealer was laid off. To repress the fact that he had been twice cheated by life, he took to the bottle. Unemployed, bitter, always unbathed and never sober, he soon lost all his power of attraction in the eyes of his wife, 20 years younger. Oh my god. 20 years younger? Jeez. Unemployed, bitter, always unbathed, and never sober, he soon lost all of his power and attra of attraction in the eyes of his wife, 20 years younger, who managed to stick it out for a little while, then another little while. But eventually it occurred to the patient young woman that the mistake of marrying the wrong man was possible to undo. I want a divorce, she said one morning to her husband, who was walking around their apartment clad in white underpants covered with dark stains and looking for something. Have you seen the bottle of con cognac, said her husband. No, but I want a divorce. I put it on the counter last night. You must have moved it, he said. It's possible it ended up in the liquor cabinet when I was cleaning the kitchen. I don't remember, but I'm trying to tell you I want a divorce. In the liquor cabinet? Of course. I should have looked there first. How silly of me. So are you moving out and you're going to take that thing that just crafts its pants with you, right? Oh my god, he's talking about their son. Yes, she took the baby. A boy with pale blonde hair and kind blue eyes. The boy who would, much later, be a receptionist. For her part, the boy's mother had imagined a career as a language teacher, but the baby happened to arrive 15 minutes before her final exam. Now she moved to Stockholm with her little one, plus her belongings and the signed divorce papers. She went back to using her maiden name, Person, don't know if that's how you say it, but it's P-E-R-S-S-O-N, so I'm just going to call it person. She went back to her maiden name person without reflecting on the consequences for the boy who had already been given the name Per. Not that it's impossible to be named Per person, or for that matter, Jonas Jonason, but some might find it monotonous, monotonous. Mo uh, monotone like there we go that's funny the author is like <laughs> that's funny you don't usually see that like you know the author referred to themselves in their story like that Jonas Jonasson that's funny that's how you know that this novel is probably a comedic novel which is why I thought it would be perfect to read on a podcast <laughs> Anyways, getting back to the story, guys. If anyone's confused, this is what you get with read a book. I'm literally just reading a book. <laughs> Alright. 
Anyways, back to the story. Awaiting her in the capital city was a job as a parking enforcement officer. Per person's mom walked up one street and down the next, receiving near-daily hangaroos from illegally parked men, primarily those who could easily afford the fines they had just been saddled with. Her dream of being a teacher, of imparting the knowledge of which German prepositions governed the accusative or dative to students who couldn't care less, was interrupted. But after she had spent an entirety and an eternity in a career that was meant to be temporary, it so happened that one of the many haranguing, 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 I don't really know what that word is. It's so evident that one of the many haranguing, illegally parked men lost his train of thought in the midst of his complaint when he discovered that the person inside the parking enforcement uniform was a woman. One thing led to another, and they found themselves having dinner at a fancy restaurant, where the parking ticket was ripped in two around the time they partook of their coffee with a little something on the side. By the time the second thing had led to a third, the illegal parker had proposed to per person's mom. The suitor happened to be an Icelandic banker about to move to a home and okay, no, I can't say that. It's a let me spell it out for you. R E Y K J A V I C Reykjavik Mm we're just going to move on. They moved to somewhere else. He promised his wife to be the moon and the stars if she followed him there. He would offer an Icelandic arm to welcome her son as well. The time had passed to such an extent that the little blonde boy had become a legal adult and could make his own decisions. He counted on a brighter future in Sweden, and since... No one can compare what happened after that with what might have happened instead. It is impossible to determine how right or wrong the son was in his calculations. What a good foreshadowing moment. Alright, this is a new paragraph. There's a break in the page. Probably gonna jump ahead in time here. I was right. At just 16 years old, Per Person got himself a job alongside the studies he wasn't very engaged in. He never told his mother in detail what his work consisted of, and for that he had his reasons. Where are you going now, boy? His mom might ask. To work, mom. So late? Yes, we're open for business most of the time. What is it you do again? She said. I've told you a thousand times. I'm an assistant in the entertainment industry, where people have meetings and stuff like that. What kind of assistant? And what is the name of... Hi, I have to run now, Mom. See you later. Poor person slipped away yet again. Of course he didn't want to share any details, such as the fact that his employer packaged and sold temporary love in a large, shabby, yellow wooden building in Hundage, south of Stockholm. Or that the establishment went by the name Club Amore. Or that the boy's work involved handling logistics as well as acting as an attendant and inspector. It was important that each individual visitor find his way to the right room for the right sort of love for the right amount of time. The boy made up the schedule, timed the visits, and listened through the doors, and let his imagination run free. If something seemed about to go awry, he sounded the alarm. Around the time his mom emigrated, 
and per person finished his studies in the formal sense as well. His employer chose to start a new line of business. Club Amore became Pessiant Sujin. And don't, sorry guys, these are weird names. <laughs> the C Point. And here we go, here we go. Club Amore became the C Point Hotel. It was not by the sea or on any point. But as the owner of the hotel said, I gotta call this shithole something. 14 rooms, 225 kroner per night, shared toilet and shower, new sheets and towels once a week, but only if the used ones looked used enough. Going from a running, going from running a love nest to running a third class hotel was not something the hotel owner truly desired. He had earned significantly more money when the guests had had company in their beds, and if any free time popped up in the girls' schedules, he himself could cuddle up with one for a while. The only advantage of the Seapoint Hotel was that it was less illegal. The former sex club owner had spent eight months in the slammer. He thought that was enough and then some. Per person, who had demonstrated his talent for logistics, was offered the job of receptionist, and he thought things could be worse, even if the salary couldn't. He was to check people in and out and make sure the guests paid and keep an eye on bookings and cancellations. He was even permitted to be a bit pleasant, as long as his attitude didn't have any negative influence on the results. It was a new business under a new name, and per person's duties were different and more laden with responsibility than before. This prompted him to approach the boss and humbly suggest an adjustment to his salary. Up or down, the boss wondered. Per person responded that up would be preferable. The conversation had not taken the turn he desired. Now he was hoping at least to keep what he already had. And so he did. The boss had, however, been generous enough to make a suggestion. Hell, move into the room behind the reception desk and you won't have to pay rent on the apartment you took over after your mom left. Well, the person agreed that this was one way to save a little money, and since his salary was paid under the table, he could also try to get social welfare and unemployment benefits on the side. Thus it happened that the young receptionist became one with, with his work. He roomed and lived in his reception area. One year passed, two years passed, five years passed, and to all intents and purposes, things did not go better for the boy than they had for his dad and grandfather before him. And the blame lay squarely with his late grandfather. The old man had been a millionaire several times over. Now the third generation of his own flesh and blood was standing at a reception desk, welcoming foul-smelling hotel guests who answered to names like Hitman Anders and other horrid things. This very Hitman Anders happened to be one of the long-term residents of Seapoint Hotel. His real name was Joan Johan Anderson, and he had spent his entire adult life on the inside. He had never had an easy time with words or expressions, but early on in life, he had realized that you could be very convincing by walloping anyone who disagreed with you, or appeared to be considering doing so, and walloping them again if necessary. In time, this sort of conversation led to young Jonah ending up in bad company. His new acquaintances urged him to blend his already violent out argumentation techniques with alcohol and pills, and with that he was more or less done for. The alcohol and pills brought him 12 years in prison at the age of 20, and he was unable to explain how his acts had ended up in the back of the region's land leading distributor, distributor 
of amphetamines. Eight years later, Hitman Anders was out again, and he celebrated his release with such fervor that he barely had time to sober up before he received 14 more years on top of his previous eight. This time, a shotgun had been involved at close range, right into the face of the person who had taken over for the, from the guy with the axe in his back. An extraordinarily unpleasant sight for those who were called in to clean up. In court, Hitman Anders man maintained that he hadn't meant to do it. He didn't think he had, anyways. He didn't remember very much of the incident, which was pretty much like his next jolt after he'd cut the throat of a third-pill entrepreneur because said entrepreneur happened to accuse him of being in a bad mood. The man with the soon-to-be-cut throat had essentially been correct, but this was of no help to him. At the age of 56, Hitman Anders was free again. In contrast to the earlier times, this was not a question of a temporary visit to the outside. This time, it was permanent. That was the plan. He just had to avoid alcohol and pills and everything and everyone who had anything to do with alcohol and pills. Beer wasn't so bad. It mostly made him happy or semi-happy or at least not crazy. He had found his way to the Seapoint Hotel in the belief that the place still offered experiences of the sort one might have found lacking during a decade or three in prison. Once he'd gotten over his disappointment that this was not the case, he decided to check in instead. He needed somewhere to stay after all, and just over 200 kroner per night was nothing to argue about, especially given what arguing had often led to in the past. Even before he collected his room key from, for the first time, Hitman Anders had managed to tell his life story to the receptionist who happened to land in his path. Included his childhood, even though the murderer didn't think it had any bearing on what had followed. His early years had mostly involved his dad getting drunk after work in order to, to in order to tolerate his job, and his mom doing the same in order to tolerate his dad. This led to his dad being unable to tolerate his mom, which he demonstrated by beating her up at regular intervals, usually while their son watched. After hearing the whole story, the reception receptionist didn't dare to do anything but welcome hitman Anders with a handshake and an introduction per pernith per oh my gosh per person he said jonah anderson said the murderer promising to try to commit murder as little as possible in the future then he asked the receptionist whether he might have a pilsner to spare after 17 years without it was no wonder his throat was a bit dry her person had no intention of beginning his relationship with Hitman Anders by refusing him a beer. But as he poured it, he asked if Mr. Anderson might consider keeping away from alcohol and pills. That would probably lead to the least trouble, said Jonah Anderson. But listen, call me Hitman Anders. Everyone else does. That's the end of chapter one, guys. So, let's do a little summary. We get introduced to Per Person, the receptionist of this hotel, whose parents are kind of disappointed at how he ended up just a receptionist. But hey, man, this guy's doing what he needs to be doing. We got a little backstory on Hitman Anders. Hitman Anders is 56. He's been to prison multiple times for murdering people because he got on pills and drugs. 
couldn't hold his temper and kept murdering people. Fun. I think this is going to be a great book to read. Hopefully we get another read-a-book soon so you guys don't fully forget. And I don't fully forget what happens, but uh, that was In the Grid with Ingrid. Um, I've got a couple more episodes coming. Just got to edit them down a little bit. Um, but yeah. This is a nice chill episode, guys. Hope you guys have a great day or night or week or month. Or year. Yeah. Bye. Have fun.